So we're talking about the armor of God in this season of our church, clothed, what it is to be clothed in the various components of the armor. Uh, In Ephesians 6, Paul is referencing this important teaching for the body of Christ, and he's doing so clearly and obviously by making an analogy to a Roman soldier that he is looking at in the progression of the pieces of the armor. We're going to look at each and every piece of the armor over the course of these weeks. Last week we talked about we are truly in a war. We are in a battle. We are in a fight. You are in a fight. I don't know if you understand or not, but you are in a fight. The enemy wants to rob you, steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that you might have life. And your attitude toward that life is a very important part of what God God wants to do in your life. God came to Ezekiel and he said, look at this valley of very dry bones. Can I just ask how many of you have a valley of very dry bones in your life? Whatever that is, it might be finance, it might be relationship disorder, dysfunction. You have a valley of very dry bones and you're looking at that situation and you're asking, is there any way for my situation to turn around? And God said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? The reason God asked Ezekiel if the bones could live is because your opinion about your Your situation really matters to God. You have the mind of Christ. Now you must use the mind of Christ and declare the truth of God. Yes, these bones can live. These bones are coming alive. You keep prophesying. You keep declaring. The marriage is coming back. The finances are coming through. The relationship is happening. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. Stir yourself up to take hold of the things of God. Every step of the way, as we see the progression of the pieces of the armor, we're going to see that we're clothed with Christ as we're clothed with the armor. Now, how many of you believe truth is important? Truth is important. You think about any relationship, at at, at, uh, any friendship, at your workplace, in your family, in your home, it's important that we understand truth. There was a man that was uh, in his 30s sitting at a restaurant, and a couple in their 50s came in, and they were seated. And the, the couple noticed that the young man was continually looking over at them. And they were, he was captivated by them. And so finally, he went over to them and sat down and said, May I just have a word with you? I know that you've noticed I keep looking at you, and, and this is why. You could be my mother's twin. You look exactly like my mom. And I recently lost my mom suddenly, and I I never got to tell her goodbye. It was a situation she asked me to come over that day. I couldn't, and she was killed in an accident. So the couple, they're taken by this, and they begin to have the conversation. The young man said, I know this may be awkward, but could I have with you just a moment I didn't get to have with my mom as I never got a chance to tell her goodbye? And the, the woman said, well, certainly. And, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk out. And before I walk out the door, I just want to be able to look back and say, goodbye, mom. And if you could just say, you know, something that I know she would have said, I've got this. I've got this. You go. I've got this. And, he, and she said, I'll do it, son. And he walks up, and he's at the register taking care of the meal and the things that he's dealing with there. And he goes to the door, and he says, goodbye, mom. And she said, with great passion, she said, I've got this. You go on. I've got this. Just a few moments later, they finish their meal, and they walk up to pay. And the lady at the register says, that'll be $28 for yours and $18 for your son. He said, you got this. <laughs> I had you, didn't I? Yeah. 
You guys were emotional. Some of y'all are crying about my story. Jesus, God, this. How many? How many of you believe truth is important? Man, you feel duped right now. <laughs> I gave it my best too. Paul makes truth his first priority in describing the armor of God. Ephesians 6, 10 to 14. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Guys, we are commanded by God to put on the full armor of God. When was the last time you stood in a place of prayer and you said, I am a warrior before my God and I take up the armor of God today, my weapons, the weapons of my warfare that God has provided. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and friend, the day of evil comes, the day of challenge comes, be prepared, be the warrior God's called you to be, that you may be able to stand your ground And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. First component, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The very first thing, you know, the Bible actually gives a certain order and progression, and it's really important that you notice the order when you're studying the Scripture. Anything that's mentioned first is always of great priority in Scripture. It's really unique, but the firstborn, different things that we'll see in this regard. The first thing mentioned as we're looking at the, the order of uh, spiritual warfare and armor is the belt of truth. Now, this is pretty wild because this is central to all other pieces of the armor. And again, we're going to see these pieces of the armor, but the belt was central. It actually held the sword, and it actually had a clip that you could put the shield on. The shield's like the size of a door for a Roman soldier. When they would go out into battle, it was a weapon in and of itself. So the shield on the the clip on the belt to hold the shield was pretty important. The, the belt actually held the breastplate of righteousness, which we're going to look at uh, next week as an incredible offensive weapon that God gave us to possess. And, and we see this, uh, this analogy being made and parallel being drawn. But, but understand, the belt was really vitally important to all those components actually being available at the right time. Without the belt, you didn't have the clip. Without the belt, you didn't have a place to put the sword. Without the belt, your, your, actually your, your breastplate starts to flap and you're kind of a mess without the belt. The belt's a pretty important part of what God is trying to reveal. And so if you and I actually were to look at a Roman soldier, I could have somebody walk out here and we would say, hey, describe the armor. Most likely we would say something like this. Man, the helmet is amazing because the helmet of a Roman soldier is very striking, very unique. Uh, we might say, wow, look at those sandals. The sandals have nails, spikes on the bottom, through the bottom of the feet. And when these Roman soldiers would walk into a community, no matter what kind of chaos was going on, Men with spikes on the bottom of their shoes suddenly produce peace in a community. That's why they're called the sandals of peace. Do you know who you are when you walk into a situation of chaos? When you walk into the situation, it begins to change. You've got to understand who you are and what God has equipped you to possess as you walk this out. We might have described these things. Maybe the shield would have captured our attention, but God didn't go there. God, by his spirit, started with that which is not noticeable and cannot be seen because it's covered up by all the other parts of the armor. He started with this belt, the belt of truth. God is saying truth at the core matters the most. Truth at the core matters the most. 
There are all kinds of expressions we will have in our lives over the course of time in our pursuit of God. But let me just tell you, after you jump and after you dance and after you celebrate and after you're walking this thing out with phenomenal anticipation of what God is going to do, truth at the core will see you through the difficult moments. I love to read the scripture about the excitement that, that goes on, but you have to realize real life happens between the verses. Through the course of time, there's a process before the promise ever arrives. We read a few paragraphs, and all of a sudden, it's from the promise to the, the, the promise given to the promise received, and we see, wow, they walked that out. You don't understand. Abraham had to walk through 25 years of being given to the promise at the core, to the truth at the core. Are you a person that hides his word in your heart so that you will not sin against God? Are you a person that values? the truth of his word. Because this is what the belt is talking about at our core. God's word must be core and central for any warrior to be effective. I want to just say this again. I'm talking about your personal time. I'm talking about your private time. I'm talking about when you're alone and you decide you're going to make being lonely moments into alone moments with God. When you sit down and you crack open the book, and you don't merely read the book, but you sit with the author. It's not just about looking at what the Word of God has to say, but it's about listening to what the God of the Word has to reveal as you're reading the Word of God, and you are in this posture, in this place of intimacy with the Lord. Are you making time for that? Because this is what true warriors do, and this is where God starts. He takes us there first. See, you, you, write it in your first blank. This is such an imperative for you to understand, for us to get as Christians. Truth problems are the true problems of our lives. Truth problems are the true problems of our lives. You know why many Christians are destroyed? Many Christians, their lives implode. The Bible actually reveals it. And it's not because the devil's so bad. It's not because darkness is so dark. It's not because wickedness and confusion abound in the land. It's not because your political viewpoints aren't being accommodated or, you know, it's not because of any of those things. When we start trying to evaluate, why is it that so many Christians can't seem to get on top? The Bible is pretty clear on top of their problems, on top of their pain, on top of their depression, on top of their disappointment, on top of their dysfunction. Why is it? How does the enemy gain entrance? And here it is, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. God has an opinion about your situation. God has an opinion about your situation. And if you rehearse your mountain to your God, then you're not rehearsing God's opinion about your situation. You need to stop rehearsing your mountain to your God and start rehearsing your God to your mountain. Goliath isn't too big to kill. Goliath is too big to miss. Take up the stone that you've been preparing and practicing with in your life. Wake up the gift that is within you, mighty warrior. Be everything God has called you to be. Hindsight is 2020. When we look back 
It's easy to see what we should have known back then. Would you agree? Have you ever made a mistake? And after you made the mistake, you look back and you said, wow, what was I? How many of you dated somebody and you thought, what was I? <laughs> it's clear after the fact. You look back. Hindsight's 2020. I was in a, a restaurant recently waiting on my parents. They were coming to have breakfast. And as I'm sitting, I'm in this one booth, and then there's another booth with a guy, and then the door. And I watched as my parents came in, and I just kind of gave a little wave, thinking that they saw me. And my mom starts walking toward me, and she stops at the booth with this guy whose back is to her, and she stoops over to give him a kiss. She thought he was me. And about the time she puckered up and leaned in, she realized, that's not my son. And she stood up and, and literally backed up like that. The guy never even saw it, thankfully. But she completely thought it was me. Real handsome guy, by the way. Just totally rocked it. You know, rocked the hair thing and all that. And so there she was. And, and after she realized that she had her, the information wrong, I mean, you know, she would not hopefully go and kiss a stranger, right? There are things that you would never do that you actually do when you don't have your information right. There are some things you would never do. But if you get your information right, then you'll see it with great clarity. Behind every sin you commit is a lie you believed. Boy, that's an important statement. How important is God's word? How important is God's truth in your life? so important. It sets the course of your destiny. Behind every sin you ever commit, by every, every temptation that you give into, every habit that you ever embrace that is something that's going to control your life, that sin behind it is a lie that you have believed. And you need to get your information right. See, being saved is one thing, but allowing the mind of Christ to dwell in you and shape your thoughts is an entirely different situation. It's one thing to give your life to Christ, and if you've never received Christ, you need to give your life to Christ. But giving your life to Christ is much like a wedding day where you stand and make a commitment. But I'm talking about the lordship element that's much like a marriage of many years where you learn to submit your heart Submit your will, submit your emotions, submit your attitude. How many of you got an attitude in this place? Submit everything that you are. Let's raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. You have an attitude. You have a happy attitude or you have a sad attitude. You have a good attitude or you have a bad attitude. What is the attitude of your life is the result of the thoughts in your brain. If you think happy thoughts, you'll have happy attitudes. If you think mighty warrior thoughts, you'll have mighty warrior attitudes. I want to wake up a warrior heart. A warrior heart. God's word is truth. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. I want you to think about this mundane religion and the deception it becomes. Don't merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourself. In other words, if all you're doing is listening to good sermons and never bringing any application, then you're living in a state of deception that lacks application of the truth God is revealing in your life. There's nothing I could ever preach that you don't fully embody, that you can't fully walk out and express as the expression of God's heart to the world around us. 
This is why we're trying to equip you and empower you. If you'll get that app, destinychristian.com forward slash app, and you'll check the blog, what you will find is not only is the sermon written out for you, but then there are discussion questions that you can begin to ask those discussion questions. Just pick one of them and have it around the dinner table with your family or with friends and just begin to have a conversation about what God is revealing. We're trying to equip you to do more than just hear the Word. We want you to be doers of the Word. It's one thing to be a hearer of the Word, but the Bible says we're to be doers of the It's one thing just to hear it, but God tells us to do it. We've got to do it. We've got to apply God's Word and live it out and walk it out and let His Word be awakened within us so that we are fulfilling everything God has called us to fulfill. Truth. It's central. I want to ask you, your action point this week, I want to ask you to develop a Bible reading plan that works for you as a lifestyle, a Bible reading plan that works for you as a lifestyle. Now, I have a suggestion, and you know what that suggestion is. And I want to walk you through this suggestion again, and I want to do this intentionally. Get an old-fashioned Bible, a real one, the kind with leather covers. Invest in a decent Bible. Start in the book of Genesis. Write the date at the top of the page. And every day, turn the page. How many pages do you turn? Just turn one page. If you want to read more, read more. But just make it a commitment. Every day, turn the page. Put the date at the top. Write happy anniversary, happy birthdays. Commemorate things God really moved in my life. Specific word, whatever that is. And you then have a Bible journal as you've gone through Genesis to Revelation that will be an heirloom handed to your children and your children's children, and your children's children's children, and your faith has an impact on an unborn generation that you will never meet. This is just about basic legacy in Christ. Smith Wigglesworth, here's a picture of Smith Wigglesworth's Bible. Some friends of ours, I show this picture from time to time just to remind and reiterate, if you don't know who Smith Wigglesworth is, he was a world-changing man of God. And this was a couple that we know in England that um, got the chance just to look at his Bible, look at the look on her face, and and just how uh, amazed to hold the Bible of a man that was used so mightily by God. The next picture we have is a, a man that carried his Bible in World War II. Can you imagine the heirloom that his grandchildren feel when they pick up their grandfather's Bible, their great-grandfather's Bible? The next uh, uh, p- picture is just to turn the page. That's mine, and I think that's Lexi's Bible. No, it's Tracy's Bible. And so uh, she turns the page with more beauty than I do. But I'm just giving you the idea. Just underline, write, whatever you want to do in the progression of reading the Bible. And this becomes a phenomenal heirloom that you can hand down to your children, your children's children, children, and they'll see your faith in action in the Scriptures. Great to have digital plans. Digital reading plans are awesome, but they disappear. I'm talking about the tangible, spiritual, the tangible coming together in a way that produces incredible legacy. You know, we're we're entering into this focus of summer intensive, and I just want to invite you on this journey. Summer intensive is just where we're going to purpose to be very intentional about our faith. We're going to be very intentional about what God is stirring in our heart in this next season of our lives. It involves 
meeting here for morning prayer on Tuesday at 6 o'clock. How many of you are going to be here at 6 o'clock in the morning this coming Tuesday? We have Tuesday morning prayer every week. Uh, and it's great. I see probably 30 or 40 hands, and usually there are anywhere from 30 to 50 people show up here. Uh, we, it's amazing. We, we're having this 9 o'clock Sunday morning, 9 o'clock pre-service rally. All of our volunteers, servant leaders that are serving in different areas, we all come in here and take just a few moments to cry out to God and ask God to impact the atmosphere. And this morning, the place was packed. Uh, I've never seen so many people in the room and so loud and hungry and, and crying out. How many of you know when we pray, something happens? We really ought to learn to pray. We ought to learn to make some noise. We ought to learn to make the sound of heaven and release something over our family. Do you want revival in your family? Do you want revival in your home? Do you want increase in your life? You ought to make a sound. Learn to make the sound. So we're going to ask you to be a part during this summer intensive, just over the course of these next two months, actually, where we're just meeting 6 o'clock for prayer. And then we're going to do an 8 o'clock class on Tuesday morning after prayer, and you can go grab something to eat. And it's just going to be 30 minutes. I know some of you won't be able to make it because of work, but maybe you can adjust your work schedule and be here from 8 to 8.30. And we're just going to do that 30-minute class of just leadership development, impartation. We're believing for God just to awaken things within our hearts. We're asking everybody to turn the page during this season of time where we're all getting on the same page, literally walking this thing out as we walk it out. What we're wanting to do is not get you in a discipleship program that has a starting point and an ending point, and then you're finished with it and you're done. We're trying to introduce you to a lifestyle that you can perpetuate for the rest of your life and awaken that in the hearts and lives of others. It's about lifestyle evangelism, lifestyle pursuit, lifestyle passion, lifestyle seeking God. We're going to have this amazing worship night tonight. Are you excited about tonight? It's going to be amazing. I guarantee you this place is going to be electric. And it's just going to be the presence of God so powerfully. And we're going to have all of the 30 people being baptized, standing up here, introducing them all to you, hearing a little bit of their story. And as we're worshiping, they're going to be baptized right down here, and the camera will be on them, and people are going to be cheering, and, and people are going to give their life to Jesus. They're coming for a community event, and then they're going to invite them in here. If you want to be baptized tonight, meet me in this room at 630. Everybody say 630. Okay, food trucks and everything will, will arrive here at 6 o'clock, but at 6.30, we're going to come in here and have a conversation about what this is all about and how we're going to walk through that progression. And at 7 o'clock, worship begins. It's going to be an incredible, incredible night. And I invite you to get signed up, get connected. Be here at 6.30, even if you're not on a list. Just be here at 6.30, and we'll walk you through it. What did you learn at church today? I eliminated a portion of my message today so that I could bring you to this with a little extra time. What did you learn at church today? If you were here last week, I talked about this. We ask our kids this when they come out of kids' church. What did you learn at church? And it's cool if they could say something like, uh, well, I learned about the armor of God, that truth is central, truth is first, truth is hidden at the core of every warrior. That's a true warrior. It's, that's, that's truth. That's cool. But how much more powerful is it when our children say, I learned about truth today, but I felt like God himself spoke to me that I am a mighty warrior, and I want to begin to equip myself and arm myself to move forward in everything God has called me to. How cool would that be? So they went from rehearsing what they heard in terms of Bible verse 
to rehearsing what they heard in terms of the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with you? Come on, would you just stand? What did you learn at church today? Listen. Listen to him. Just listen to what he has to say. What would you learn at church today? What's he speaking to you about this conversation that we've been having? Because if this conversation is not about a deeper conversation, then we're missing the point. There's a deeper conversation going on in your life. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Take us past the mundane routines of religion into the deeper places of conversation with God. Holy Spirit. What is he speaking to you? Just listen. So I have this wonderful privilege of just taking time to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me of what he wants to say to us. As the lead pastor, I get to be one of the voices making those declarations. And it's just so, such a, a, an honor for me. And, and I take that so seriously. And I want you to have that relationship with God. I want you to have your own relationship with God, not relying on your parents or your pastor or anybody else. But you have your own relationship with God. Daniel eleven thirty two. 32, the people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. I want you to know as I was praying, I felt the Holy Spirit was telling me today that he's going to break accusation, he's going to break condemnation. And, and, and I want you to think about this. In the book of, of Isaiah, it's really interesting, Isaiah 6, Isaiah had this vision. And he says, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. What does that mean? Like, okay, that's kind of, the Lord's sitting on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Let me explain something to you. In biblical days, when two kings would go to war, one king would defeat the other king. And to humiliate the defeated king, the conquering king would have the defeated king stand before all of the people, the two kingdoms now coming together, and they would cut off that defeated king's robe at a very embarrassing level. And he would stand there naked, with his train robe cut off uh, at an embarrassing level. And then the conquering king would take the defeated king's robe and attach it to his train. And the first king he would defeat would basically double the length of his train. And if he did another kingdom and conquered another king, it would triple the length of his robe. And if he conquered four kingdoms, it would quadruple the length. I, I don't know if you're understanding what I'm saying, but Isaiah said... You are a conquering king who is on a throne. You have conquered every enemy that ever came against us. Your robe is so long, it fills the temple. 